0: For that warm welcome, and it is truly a joy to be with you this morning um, and to worship with you today and to have a chance to sit together under God's word and hear what he would have for us today. And it is a joy to be back with the Lutheran Brethren, and I do bring you greetings from President Paul Larson and my colleagues at the Church of the Lutheran Brethren in Fergus Falls. Greetings from all of us. So before um, we turn to our text this morning, I think it's good that we have some context, so I want to take us through a few things before we look at our text in Matthew 4. Our scripture this morning finds us at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry and the calling of the first disciples. John the Baptist ministry has come to a sudden end with his imprisonment. Who will fill the void? How will the proclamation of God advance? So we will see in our text that Jesus leaving the desert and fleeing to Galilee to pick up where John the Baptist's ministry has left off. Jesus going to Galilee was likely not only to advance John the Baptist's proclamation, the good news that God had proclaimed, but it was also one of care and comfort for his disciples. And I think it's important that we we recognize that as we think about our topic this morning. Jesus certainly had the highest calling in all the earth, that being the salvation of the world. But under this overarching storyline of redemption is an account of Jesus coming to the place of John's ministry both to care for his disciples and to carry that ministry forward. So with that, I invite you to take your Bibles or your devices or whatever you have this morning and turn to the gospel of Matthew chapter 4, and I will begin reading at verse 12. And I would invite you in the honor of God and his word that you would stand for the reading of his good news. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25, reading in Jesus' name. Now when he, that is Jesus, had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, his father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed them. And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epilects, and paralytics, And he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. This ends the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Father, we thank you for your holy calling. And Lord, we ask that in this time together, Lord, that we would hear you calling to us, Father, that you desire to live and do your work in and through our lives. And Lord, that we would understand the joy that that means, the joy that that brings, Father. So meet us, I pray now, as you faithfully do every time we come and sit under your word, that we would see Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want us to consider this idea of being called. Called. To be called. Now we hear this phrase, I was called, and we immediately think, well, often we think of what? Pastors, ministry. We think, oh, he must be, she must be going to the mission field or he must be going to the pastorate. Sometimes we'll hear this word to be called around um, I left a big corporate job and I went off and worked for. In the 60s, it was the Peace Corps. I was called to this, as though it was a justification to leave something that everyone else thought, well, that makes sense, and now you're going over here? But to be called is really something that is part of all of life. To be called is saying, I'm listening for one who is calling me. When my mother would call me to the dinner table I was wise to heed her calling. I didn't want to miss out on the joys of the calling. And if we think of calling in that sense, we can understand that all of life is filled with a calling and actually with multiple callings. Our calling isn't just to the work that we do, but we have callings represented here of of marriage of students, of members of this, citizens of this country, as members of this church, as neighbors, and yes, as workers as well. And this word calling is where we get the the Latin word vocar, which is where we get the word vocation. Vocation. To have a vocation is to have a calling. Now, earlier this past week, we celebrated the 506th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And I cite that here because a pillar, a critical pillar of the Reformation was this idea of the priesthood of all believers. Now, the priesthood of all believers... Awaken the body of Christ that not only pastors and church workers have holy callings. The priesthood of all believers did not make everyone church workers. Rather, it turned every work into a holy calling. Now, the pastoral office is a sacred vocational calling of God. But the priesthood of all believers also taught that lay people have sacred callings of their own, which have their own holy responsibilities and authorities and blessings of their own. And these callings are, are, as I said, are not just to the marketplace or to the farm, but they are callings to your families and as citizens and a calling to share your gifts throughout the church. Callings... Can come to us over many years of preparation. And they can also come unexpectedly. There's a, a phrase in our text this morning um, in verse 12, we, or actually in, um, in verse 17, um, where Matthew says, From that time, the NIV says, From that time on. So it's saying, Something happened. And from that time on, everything changed. Matthew's using this to get our attention, to signify a major change is happening. We all have from that time on moments in our lives, don't we? Some major moments are anticipated graduations, weddings, the birth of children. Grandchildren, great grandchildren, others can shock us. The death of a loved one, an accident, a job loss, a divorce. And some from that time on, moments we don't fully see until later in life. When we have the perspective of hindsight that we can look back going, oh, now it makes sense. As Luke was saying, I spent the last year working for Dave Ramsey in Nashville, Tennessee. It was a good year. But it was a year also I, I started to wonder, what are we doing here? I was starting to wonder, is this really the best place God would have us? And we prayed about that. And here I stand before you. Sometimes time brings perspective on our for that time on moments. The disciples in our text here were in the midst of a from that time on moment, catching fish to catching people. And I love how Jesus phrases this. Did you catch that? How he still uses the word catching to be catching people. But why these men? What's so special about them? Perhaps it's what's not special about them is what makes them special. These men had neither great wealth or great status. In fact, quite the opposite. These were ordinary men called to extraordinary work. And through these ordinary men, God proclaimed the gospel in order that the Lord would be the one clearly seen at work. Now, even when God is calling us into our various vocations, we still experience trials and tribulations, do we not? Several chapters later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus will say to his disciples in chapter 16, verse 24, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, I'm not one who can say, I know best what the Lord did and why he did what he did, but probably a good idea that he didn't lead with this when he met the disciples. That might not have been um, a great recruitment speech. But isn't it true in our vocations, no matter whether it's marriage or work or church, everything starts roses. And then we have a moment going, this is going to be work. This is going to be sacrifice. And yes, that is certainly true in the proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord of all. And we think about the extent of that sacrifice that we are called to. We have for generations used our gatherings as a prayer for those who are truly being persecuted around the world. Brothers and sisters, that world is coming to us. Now, we may feel a sense of, of safety and community being in rural Minnesota. Our roots, we hail from the Seattle, Washington area. Need I say more? Sometimes denying ourselves means being willing to die for our Lord and Savior. Do you know that more Christians have been martyred in the past century than the previous 20 centuries? That fact gets somewhat overlooked, the amount of persecution in the church worldwide. Why does it have to be so hard to serve in our vocational callings? Failures and setbacks happen all the time in vocation. Layoffs come to the skilled workers. The crop doesn't always come in. Can I hear an amen? Disabilities rob us of our ability to serve. Divorce, abuse, and fighting tear apart the family fabric. Sometimes these trials we experience are dramatic. And other times they are more subtle. Gene Veith wrote an amazing book on this. Gene Veith is a Lutheran theologian and a seminary professor uh, in the Lutheran church. And he wrote a book called God at Work. And he says this, he says, "'Even people who by many standards would seem from the outside to be successful in their vocations nevertheless consider themselves failures.'" "'This is not what I really wanted to do,' they think." I I should be a lot better, no one appreciates me, what good is it at all? Mozart, one of the most obviously gifted geniuses of all time, at one point considered himself a failure. Sometimes trials and vocation can can come to us in the form of, of a temptation. Gustav Weingren, another theologian, said temptation in vocation is the devil's attempt to get a person out of his vocation. Think about that. Temptation in vocation is the devil's attempt to get a person out of his vocation. That is to say, God called this person to a vocation, and we already know as we talked here, vocation is about much more than work. And so the devil's strategy is to get you out of it, to give up, to make you quit. Or the devil may tempt the holder of vocation, the way of glory. I see this often, and I struggled with this as a new leader many years ago. My goodness, probably 35, 40 years ago in a corporate position as a new leader. What am I doing here? People should come to me. It's like, no, my job, there's a book out there called Leaders Eat Last. My job as a leader was to serve. And how often we are tempted in our vocations to say, "Um, I'm here and your job is to serve me. We may not say that in so many words, but we start feeling like I deserve, I have the right, who are you? and not looking at our opportunity to love and serve our neighbor in our calling. What these trials and temptations remind us of is that we are still under the curse. When we consider the fall of humanity in Genesis 3, we see the curse is directed specifically at marriage, childbirth, and work. And that being the case, we cannot expect to find perfection here on earth No perfect nation, no perfect marriage, no perfect child, no perfect congregation. The darkness we see throughout the world was foretold thousands of years ago by the prophet Isaiah. Matthew quotes Isaiah in our text that Jesus chose to follow his calling to a very dark place, to Galilee. And it wasn't dark because of short winter days. We're going to be reminded of that about the four o'clock hour today. Days are getting shorter. But that's not the darkness that the prophet was speaking of. He was speaking of spiritual darkness. And we find ourselves easily discouraged and concerned, and rightly so, about the spiritual condition of our world today. But try to place yourself as a Jew in first century Rome. What hope was there? John the Baptist, the first prophet in 400 years, silence from God for 400 years, is now locked up in prison. And the Romans have the Jews under their thumb. Yes, we are increasingly living in dark times, and yet God is not silent. We have His Word, and we have our work. And God desires to proclaim himself in both places. And yes, there is good news. Jesus came as promised. He bore our sufferings, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and now is calling you and me to share his gospel through all of the vocations represented here in this sanctuary. So, what do we do when we experience the trials, the tribulations, the temptations in our vocation? I would invite you to begin with prayer and confession. Persistent prayer and a prayer of confession to the Lord. What prayer does is invite God to lead us in our various vocations. When we have struggled, when we have failed, when we feel lost, you know, the good news is God is already at work in your vocations, even without your prayer. But as Luther's catechism says in the fourth petition on the Lord's Prayer, God gives daily prayer, God, I'm sorry, God gives daily bread, indeed, without our prayer, also to the wicked. But we pray in this petition that he would lead us to know it and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving." Do you see this, how prayer really is here for you to transform your heart? Are you discouraged today in a relationship, in a job, maybe in the state of our country? There's a place right now, and it's a place of prayer and saying, God, forgive me, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for how I have missed the opportunities you have put before me. May I rise from this place of prayer, and God, may you use me in a fresh new way to proclaim your love to all the people that you bring into my world each and every day. Our Lord and Savior is calling us today, just as he called those disciples, come, follow me right where God has you. There may be a, a from that time on moment where a new calling arises, but God is already at work around you. And that's our invitation to come and follow Him, to join Him in our vocation, vocational callings today. Ephesians 2 8 through 10 makes it very clear the distinction between God's work and our work. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. And you know this well, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are what? God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's so beautifully said. Some people seek God in the majesty of nature. That's no statement on hundreds, by the way. There is beauty to be found out there. But some people exclusively seek God in the majesty of nature, in spectacular miracles or extraordinary acts. But to find God in everyday vocational activities brings him literally down to earth causing us to see how close he really is and transfigures our everyday lives. Luther suggests that vocation is a mask for God. Think about this. We probably saw some kids, maybe some older kids, uh, dressing up this past week some costumes are very elaborate that means expensive some of us grew up just enjoying putting an ordinary bed sheet over our heads poking a couple holes in them for eye, eye spots and we called that a costume it was just an ordinary simple homemade costume sometimes ordinary trumps extraordinary God shows up all the time in ordinary vocations through the mundane activities of life. And that was Luther's point, that when we have this mask on, that's God showing up in your work. We don't see him there, but he's at work. Doing our daily tasks, picking the kids up from school, Casting our ballots on Tuesday, helping our neighbor. These are hiding places for God where He desires to reveal Himself in ordinary places. Brother Lawrence, a 17th century monk in France, was assigned to a monastery kitchen where, amidst the tedious chores of cooking and cleaning, at the constant demands of his supervisors, Brother Lawrence developed a theology of spirituality and work. And Brother Lawrence writes, Men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and they set up devices to remind them of that love, and yet it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Yet it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of Him? Brother Lawrence, to him, common business, no matter how mundane or routine, could be the medium of God's love. The sacredness or worldly status of the task, it mattered less than the motivation behind that work. Brother Lawrence went on to write, nor is it needful that we should have great things to do, We can do little things for God. I can turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship to him who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up a straw from the ground for the love of God. You see, Brother Lawrence discovered for himself what Martin Luther said about our work. God does not need our love and good works, but our neighbor does. Our work then becomes a means of thanking our Lord for our lives by sharing the love of Christ through our ordinary, everyday talents, and services to our neighbors. Jesus obeyed his calling on purpose so that we might discover purpose in our callings. Our Lord and Savior sends you and me into the world this week, loving and serving our neighbors as our thank offering to him. For the life, the breath, that he has given each and every one of us. Let me pray for us. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending by paths that we have not yet taken through perils and trials yet unknown. But Lord, we ask that you'd give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor K J O L H A U G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.